Are you unable to concentrate on the tasks at hand? Do you need help focusing more or leveling up your game? Here's a tip. Try Cognizant Citicoline, clinically studied to support mental energy, focus, memory, and attention. Cognizant supports brain health and supplies the brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Cognizant is a leading nootropic featured in over 200 products. This podcast is powered by Cognizant. Visit Cognizant.com to learn more and find a product to help you fuel your day. Ready to achieve great heights? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Power Your Performance, the podcast where we dive deep with leaders in the gaming world and beyond and learn the techniques they use to power their lives. I am your host, Gary Kleinman. Welcome. We're with Dr. Marion Ingle, clinical and sports psychologist, licensed in New York and California. Dr. Ingle is a clinical and sports psychologist specializing in kids, families, athletes, and coaches. She's worked with many professional teams, individual athletes, as well as younger athletes, their parents, and, and coaches. She has academic appointments at Harvard, MIT, University of California, San Diego, and now at NYU. Boy, with these, I'm surprised you're even talking to me. She is a vice president of Encourage.com, a website and company devoted to best practices for coaches, athletes, and their families. Good morning. Hello. Welcome. How are you? Good morning. It's a pleasure. Now that we got all of our technical issues behind us, uh, let's talk psychology, sports, gaming, health, wellness, nutrition, and everything in between. Uh, how's that for <laughs> something that in 30 minutes or less? So where did your first interest in psychology come from? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I wasn't going to be a psychologist actually. And the head of the psychology department um, asked me if I wanted to do some test, learn how to do some testing with some kids that um, were at a mental institution. And um, he thought that I would be good at it. So I said, okay. And um, um, <laughs> the, the, the students said things to me like, are you a real one? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I liked them and I liked the whole process. Um, so I switched graduate schools. I went to Cornell. Um, I studied child development and um, I did some clinical stuff there, but basically I trained to be a research person. So I came to uh, California with my husband and started teaching at UCSD and publishing and I realized this was really not nearly as much fun as sitting there talking to people. So I retrained <laughs> and became a clinical psychologist, uh, which is why I think I like doing so many different things. And the sports thing came along because um, my husband at the time, he'd been an All-American lacrosse player and he, and he took up ice dancing. And so we were, I know, and, um, and <laughs> I know random, but, um, so we, so when we were at, when he was at MIT, we were in Boston, we joined the Boston Skating Club and there were all these skater, skaters, the American champions who were, who were training and they were all arguing with everybody, themselves, each other, their coaches. And I was studying to be at that point a research psychologist and they said, well, psychology, psychology, just come. 
So before long, I was putting them on the ice at nationals and internationals, and, and I thought, ooh, I like this too. And then we moved to California, and I started working with the MBA, and um, um, anyway, one team after the other, and in while I was teaching and then doing my clinical work. So it's been an ongoing, lifelong passion. And then I had children, of course, and then I had to take up the kids' stuff because I didn't like what the what the coaches were doing. <laughs> so I've been obnoxious for a really long time. No, you know, I, I, I think I said this to you when we first spoke several weeks back that all these organized sports seem to be great organizations for orphans, right? If you can get the parents <laughs> out of there, uh, then, then the kids have fun and they learn and they develop and, and what have you. So is there much of a significant difference between clinical work and sports psychology work? Well, I think being a clinical psychologist and a research psychologist has really helped my sports work because I sort of, I know what normal development looks like and I also know what happens when you have internal things that get in your way. And so it's a combination and I think that's why I like it so much. Um, so I think both, yes. Are athletes, forget the sport that they, they may be engaged in, do they have similar, um, for lack of a better phrase, symptomologies um, or behavioral challenges across sport no, that, that psychologically based no matter what they're engaged in? Because then we'll take you know, some of the, the, the learnings that you've had in traditional what we call stick and ball sports and, and translate to that how that's interpreted potentially in the esports and gaming world? So, you know, kids are born with their own personalities, right? So some people have troubles with anger management. And you, you know, and mothers will tell you that from the time this kid was little, they didn't get what they wanted, they get so mad, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, well, translate that into somebody who's a really good athlete and they will get so mad too. And what if they're an incredible athlete? Well, then we're, we've got some issues, big issues. Um, there's others who um, are really sweet and nice, but they kind of uh, go around and cheat a lot. Um, they, every game they play, they want to win. If they don't win, they find a way to cheat. Um, so there are a lot of issues that come from childhood on, and then we see them in athletes. Um, and then there the you know it's 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 so complicated because basically i feel like kids want to be good they want to be loved they want to be appreciated um and some of them really are very good at just motivating themselves from themselves and others um you know maybe they're waiting for a parent to tell them what to do or and then they hate the parent for it you know there's there's so many dynamics that happen and um um I think it is a rare bird of a kid who can become an excellent athlete and also a happy person. And trying to find that balance is very important, very important, because they have a whole life to live. And, and I feel like a lot of times I, I need to be in that space for them um, because they are not doing as well. I mean, nobody ever calls a psychologist in when they're doing really well. They should. Right. they should, they, they should. should, they should, yeah, but they should, but as soon as they start to fall apart, that's when you get called in. Well, that, that so, makes sense. 
Right. I guess it does. It's a little frustrating because sometimes when I fix a team, it's like they say, thank you, bye. And I say, no, 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 no. Let's keep it up. This is really going well. Don't stop now. But they all stop. Um, and that's true for athletes, too. But when you have somebody who's really becoming dysfunctional in their ability to perform, that's a really good time to sit down and really stop and think and find a way to find peace inside yourself and and then find a way to move on. And from your, your research aspect, uh, in looking at what you just said about kids with anger or cheating, is, is that uh, family conditioned in the environment? Is some of that just predisposition genetically? Uh, is it a mixed combination? Because, um, you know, I've got three kids and they're all different. Um, They're all different. You know, people people used to be told it's all environmental. It's all the kids come in. They're perfect. And it's you screw them up. It's not true. And you know that from your own children. Yeah. Well, there's no question that that that's not true. And 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 they'll they'd make the argument that that's true with the parents. Um, Well, yeah, of course. But 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 when you have a kid who has some issues with some of those things, how the parents deal with it. I mean, I have a lot of parents who laugh and think it's really funny and cute. Well, believe me, they won't think it's so funny and cute when, you know, the principal calls them. Um, So, you know, it's it's important for parents in a very loving way to try to redirect. And, And with your work with professional athletes, do you think that they seek help a little bit later than they should? I mean, is it when it manifests itself as an intrusion in their life, being success, uh, interfering with interpersonal relationships off court, off field, um, that they would have been better off prophylactically, so to speak, getting tools to help? What do you think? Of course, it'd be better. (laughs) Of course, it'd be better. You know, it's just... um, In the U.S., we don't have as much stigma as there is in the rest of the world about going to a psychologist. But there is this feeling about why should I need it? I can do it myself. I can talk to my friends. My friends. I love to talk to my friends. They can help me. Well, you know, really. um, (laughs) Yeah, they can they can be understanding. But but it's 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 like being a really good athlete. You've got to work at it and and you've got to have somebody who really knows how to help you learn it. And is that a gap in early education, so to speak, or early sports, is that that is not incorporated into protocol? Oh, I love that question. I love that question. Of course it's not. And it should be. And it should be. Why isn't it? Well, I can tell you that um, I have a son who's a really great athlete. And... um, I would sometimes talk to the coach and say, you know, can I meet with your, the kids for a little bit? And because I was working on some techniques and stuff, and he was always good with it. But a lot of the parent, not a lot of the parents, there were a few parents who didn't want their kids to come because they were they were worried that I was going to hurt them. Now, of course, those parents, every time they see me, oh, I just loved what you did with my kid. It's like, oh God, okay, just <laughs> let, let me remind what, you. <laughs> but, but what did they think you were going to hurt them? with or by? I don't know. I think that people think that um, you're going to make the children um, 
you know, I don't even understand it myself. I think, I think they think you're you're going to make the children weak in some way, instead of instead of what they think they're doing that makes the kids strong. You I mean, know, you like, think you know because I'm thinking about you know, and and two out of my three kids are are pretty decent athletes. Uh, is is the thinking that if you inquire at this level, that they may have a sense that they're not good enough and they're, they're not good enough themselves and therefore they need external or outside professional help and therefore you kind of undermine or perforate their self-esteem? That may be what parents think, but of course it's just the opposite. Well, yeah, I without mean, a doubt, it, it would be I, the I opposite. I have all those techniques that I've worked for, out for parents um, to do with their kids and for kids to do and for coaches to do. And all they do is make kids stronger and happier and feeling more competent. Um, and so, but yes, I think I think parents get worried. I think well, I was just going to say, who, who's harder to deal with, the parent or the the, the child patient? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it it's um, you know, every parent wants to see their kids successful, right? And and I think parents all too often go into situations and and look for a guarantee that it's going to happen and we all know professionally there are no guarantees and it it's kind of like puppy training you can you can go to a class but if you don't incorporate those <laughs> skills when you get home and put the dog in the crate the, the, the you know you're just not going to get the results and it's not the fault of the class um okay. and and do you find that i mean um, I'm not trying to, to equate athletes and puppies, but maybe we should. Um, do do you find there's similarity in that that they want quick fixes and they're not going to do the homework, so to speak, and really look at lifestyle changes, be it psychologically, physically, or otherwise? And it's like, okay, I had my session with Dr. Engel. I, I should magically, with dust, be cured, and therefore I don't have to work on anything. You know, I interview people before I take them on. And if I don't think they're going to work at it, it's not worth my time either. Well, that's true, too. I mean, and, so and as a professional, right, you don't, you do. It's kind of cruel to say, but, you know, when you're busy, you, you want to make it work. And, um, and there's some families who, yes, it's just like that. Fix them for me. And, of course, I can't fix them for you. But I can fix everybody together if you'll all work together. And that that can then work. And yes. have you found with you know because in in um, in families where one child may be athletically more successful, not superior necessarily, but more successful, that the dynamic in that family for the less successful athlete also impacts uh, your work. You know, talent is an interesting concept, right? Sometimes the kids who are the most talented athletes are, not, are the ones who, I, I have one right now, who is an incredible golfer, incredible, incredible. She could be on the tour. And she's now announced that she's not going to play anymore. Well, you know, her parents pushed her for a long time. And when kids get to be, you know, 17, they want to make their own mind up. Right. And um, so... We, even with all that talent, it might be the kid in the family who has less talent but more go. Right. Actually, going to work hard enough to be there. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, going back, I won't, I won't mention names. I, I did a lot of work with a bunch of 
NFL players. And two out of the three boys uh, played in the NFL. One had a Super Bowl ring. One is the other is incredibly well known. They would both tell you that the best athlete in the family is the one that's working at a supermarket because yes, he right. just he just couldn't for whatever that dynamic is. And this was long before. Um, your specialty and your skill set was necessarily around to help. I mean, those are the days in the NFL where there was no health, wellness, and nutrition. That here's a Percocet, go back on the field. Okay, fine, your ankle's broken. You have two ankles, right? Kind of thing. Um, and 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 that's kind of you know an an interesting dynamic, not only from the athletic endeavors and success, but just the interpersonal relationship of the siblings as a result of that. And, and then parents get involved and, you know, it's um, it, it, it's kind of interesting. And it, it is a lot of your work and we'll pretty soon start talking about some of uh, the issues that gamers face. And, and you can give some um, top level advice of how they cope with some of these things. Um, where's the first place to start when when somebody reaches out to you is it because they've got this block of success they have a fear of failure you know it's that old thing is it a fear of failure is it a fear of success is it trust is it afraid of the competition around them is there a commonality of what's the match that says i gotta i gotta go find dr engel and talk to her because this isn't working it's usually because they're starting to lose um i I see a lot of tennis players and um, they don't, they're not interested in me until they start to lose. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and when and they then, start to lose, I don't mean to interrupt, when they yeah, start to lose, do they look at that as they're starting to lose not because of their physical skill set, but their mindset is such that it's defeating? Yes. Yes. And oftentimes, if, it's, if, it's, um, if they're under 22, it'll often be a parent or a coach who calls me. And so they, and, and then, but the thing that's cute is that I will treat some kids who are playing in a certain league or something, and then another one will uh, tell their parent to call me. And I'll get the call that says, my kid said, <laughs> I need to call you. Um, can you tell me exactly what you do? <laughs> that and is why so funny. That's so important. And, but it's great because those are the kids who come in and they are so motivated. Because right. they, they saw somebody else do better. So, and, they, and they want that. And so how, how much of the organic issue is the money that's in professional sports and parents starting kids at eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, and pressuring them to practice. I mean, there's so many examples of you know the the Williams sisters, right? Where you know they're practicing in pouring rain because their father wanted them to succeed as a way, you know. I, and I would, for at least for today's conversation, say it's good-hearted and it's well-intended um, to get out yeah. of certain communities and what have you that kids are really not developed yet to be able to withstand that and it explodes sometime later well the thing i like about the williams sister story is that he insisted that they do well at school too okay and what bothers me now is we have a lot of parents who push their kids into athletics and they let them be homeschooled they do uh, a lot of skaters are like this um and 
they really give up everything for the sport. And then what if they don't make, make it, it to the top level? And mm -hmm. even if they do, how many sports have a lifelong trajectory? They don't. They don't. So you need to have something else going on inside you and your mind and your development that goes with the sports. Sports are not 100%. And, um, but the thing you're talking about, which I think is really a national issue, is that the, the kids who are in athletics now, to get to the higher levels and stay at those levels, the, the, um, they are required to play their sport year round. They're required to kind of drop out of other things. So developmentally, it's really bad. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing, and it's really bad because like this kid I'm talking about, this girl who's dropping out, I'll, most of these kids will get to the point where they say, this is your priority, this is not mine. This is not who I'm gonna be. And then what have you left them with? They have one sport. They and, didn't do that well at school. I mean, you know, where, where, where have you left them? And the parent will often feel like, I, you're, you're letting me down. We did this for you. We right. did this for you. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> the guilt. And, and so how much change, and then we will get into gaming, um, because I'm fascinated by, by the sports psychology and, and being an athlete and, you know, and, and actually being honest with yourself of where you are, right? And, and, and that's probably 90% of the game is to be honest um, with yourself. But since you started and where you are now in your practice, social media has changed so dramatically, right? So you've got TikTok totally. and you've got Instagram and you have totally. the, the, these horrifically sad stories like the goalie from Stanford, unfortunately, at 22, oh. who took her life. Yes. And, I mean, yeah. and, and, and how much of that is social media and, and how do you advise and what do you say to parents and, and the athlete of either distancing yourself from the effects of social media, not necessarily being on social media, but not having it have an emotional impact where you're harming yourself in whatever way you want to define harm. I mean, it's got to be staggering right now with social media influence. It is so hard for everybody. It's hard for parents to keep the kids off of it. It's hard for kids to force themselves to stay away. I deal with this all the time. And the strong athletes who are good students who, I, 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 we do these little timing things. So, and, and also I ask them to do their homework away from their computer. Or, or if they use their computer for their homework, that they stay off. I mean, there's all these wonderful studies that show that if you are on the computer while you're doing your homework and you're looking at social media at the same time, so if you ask the kids, how do you think your homework goes when you, oh, it's fine, it's fine. I do, you know, da, 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 da. In fact, you know, the research shows it is not fine. And if you, if you write an essay and you're doing it, you, if you look at the um, one, one, uh, phrase after another phrase after another phrase they often don't match okay. because they're, because their thinking gets you know changed up um, so just take that and put that into the psychological side of who likes me who doesn't like me um, who believes in me and that poor athlete I mean I don't know 
I don't know much about her history, but it breaks your heart. And you think, where were her friends? Did she have friends? Where, where were the people who understood what was happening to her and, and tried to support her? Did that happen? You know, it doesn't always happen. And, um, <laughs> what, you know, I, I live in California and in New York. In New York, by my office, I see parents holding their child's hand, walking them to school, and the other hand, they're on their on on, on their, their phone, phone. Yeah. and and they're texting and they're doing all this stuff. And I think, what does the child think? That thing is more important than talking to me. Right. You well, know, so go we, to any restaurant doctor, and and you see yeah. families with a kid on an iPad, mom on her yes, phone or dad right. on her phone, that's and you right. go, that's why right. are you at a restaurant? I mean, it, it right. it's mind-boggling. Well, where where is the whole concept of relationships? And those relationships are what save you. So if you don't have them right, yes, you can you you can you can fall apart. You know, it's 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 interesting what you say. You know, this this young girl at Stanford who's just you know um, no different than all the other athletes. And you say where are their friends, knowing a lot of professional athletes, they in many respects they don't even know who their friends are, right? Because you got all the care, you know, all the people that that want access, right? And exactly. and and they and they want the free things that they all get and what have you. And and then you know there's a sense of isolation that athletes have because and and a level of mistrust because it's very 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 difficult to actually really know who you trust and and, and you who you don't trust um, even in your family even Sadly, in your family even in your family I mean, yeah. especially as you become more successful but the interesting exactly. thing when you said about computers everything else and I thank you for that because it's a great segue into gaming right because. Um, Gaming is about computers um, and consoles and and mobile, um, and it is um, as it's grown very social media based. So if you look at Twitch, right, and you got people that are streaming eight to ten to fourteen hours a day straight, how do how does somebody psychologically manage that? I mean, what what do you think they could or should be doing for better balance? in their life you know when all you're doing is your friendships your relationships your thinking is all about this back and forth back and forth what's real what's real who can you touch who can you actually be with how can you how do you know and so it, it becomes a whole fantasized relationship right right and um, you know, God forbid they actually meet each other. I mean, they may they they may become friends, and there are mm -hmm. all these nice accounts of people who who now meet together. And I'm, I'm much more in favor of that. So at least they're talking and they have a conversation. Right. But um, have you looked at at their bodies and their wellness? <laughs> I mean, this is not this is it's it's the same thing as any kid who would play sports you know, 18 hours a day. It's, you know, we, we're we humans. We need balance. Without if we don't a have a balance, right. if we don't have balance we are not going to be healthy people as we grow. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, gamers suffer from a lot of symptomology being, um, you know, carpal yeah. tunnel syndrome, right? Because yeah. of the yeah. 125 yeah. movements. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's literally 125 movements uh, a minute while you're, while you're gaming. Um, and that's from spatial awareness in your eyes, your hands, and eye-hand coordination. There, there's focus issues. There's major anxiety issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there, there's, um, 
you know, when you're sitting in an, a non-ergonomically designed, hip, cool-looking chair for eight hours, that's not good for your posture, your neck, and and what have you. And and what I'm saying, I'm going to stop you. There is no chair that's going to be good for that many hours. No, I, I just totally, no chair. It, it just, there, no, no, yeah. not unless there's a buffet in front of it. But um, you know, and and then you can sign me up for that all day long. Um, mm-hmm. But no, and 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 so. This, the psychology of that is impacting gamers now. And, and I think you're seeing, unfortunately, not to continue to go back to the, the goalie from Stanford, but there, there are more um, gamer early deaths. There are more um, kids dropping out. There, there are more kids that, that are being, I wouldn't say antisocial, because there's a value proposition to gaming, and we can talk about the... Um, the the good things and the benefits of gaming, um, but it's about you know th- that balance. So, what's your recommendation for these gamers that are um, stressed because they're they're trying to get more subscribers, they're trying to get more likes, right? They're they're trying to get more engagement, and that becomes the definition of success. And it's not necessarily your content per se but let's amass likes or let's get 1500 more people giving me three dollars a month to watch my antics on twitch and then youtube what would you say to them uh not that they're asking yet but they will be prophylactically what questions should they be asking themselves now to maybe make that 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 leap later not so painful you know, it's all about balance. And if they are sitting there all day panicking about, does this work, does that work, da 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 it's like somebody starting a new business. And when it's, it's the same thing. It's just a different way of starting your business, right? right. And, and, and so even if you're starting a new business, you really should get up and run around the block and have, have good food to eat and talk to a friend and hug your mother and sit down and then do it again. Um, but if you're sitting there all the time, um, even if you're successful, you know, our brains are not made that way. And, and you're going to start to feel overwhelmed, depressed, angry. Um, a, lot of, a lot of times people find anger in themselves that they didn't even know they had. But it's really that they've exhausted their, their brain yep. and, and, and their heart. And they need to get out and do something else. If it matters that much, then do it well. So the, the, the extension of gaming is the metaverse, right? Because it, it's kind of sort of based on um, an altered reality, digital world. Do you predict the metaverse is obviously brand new and I don't understand why anybody wants to buy a $400,000 house a block away from Snoop in a digital world, but that's what they're doing. Does this promote more dysfunction um, from a psychological what, perspective? What do you think? Well, I, I would absolutely say without a doubt, and, and actually in many respects even worse than what we've seen because um, yeah. you're really going almost full force into um, a virtual fantasy. world, and it's a fantasy, fantasy of you can be whatever it is that you want to be, and how right. do you and when do you leave and, and, and pay your gas bill, right, That for, for the house that actually has a key and a, well, not anymore, it's a ring, but, uh, you know, it, it, 
it, it, it, it scares me as, you know, certainly as, as, as a parent of grown kids and grandkids and what have you is their world is, is kind of like they're no longer their world. They're an actor in this altered factual scenario where you lose a yeah. sense of self. It's an addiction, right? Right. I mean, it's an addiction. And, and is it a, as much of an addiction as people are finding a place to hide? Whatever the reason, mm-hmm. they become addicted to the feeling of power that they get or, the, or trying to find that power as if it and they act like it matters. But what you're pointing out is it doesn't matter. And yet you've got to pay your bills. You, you really hopefully will have a relationship with people. Um, but this is like a whole other place. And if you're not getting your pleasures in other ways, um, you know, you're not going to graduate school or you're not, you're not getting jobs that you like or you're not training in some place to become something else that you can actually have as a real job job. This is an amazing fantasy world. Well, yeah, and, and, and we talked about this when we spoke several weeks ago. The example I, I gave you in, in the change in the family dynamic was this 14-year-old kid that won the Fortnite tournament on a Saturday night, and he won, I think, 3 or $4 million, pretty significant for a 14-year-old, um, a lot more than I made when I was 14, right? And, or anybody. Right, yeah. and media picked up on that, and I, I think the story was not that he won the $4 million on a Saturday night, but what happened Sunday when he's sitting at the dining room table and Mom says, did you do your math homework? And he goes, no, I won $4 million. I just paid Dad to do it. You know, that the, the whole uh-huh. you know, entire family dynamic has changed. And, and it, it, for me, I mean, it, it seems like we, we've gone very far. We're not going to go back, if anything, that that is going to go faster and faster and faster and and i hope that professionals like you help more and more people before it's an issue um so that we can reduce the harm that that seems to be happening from the pressure and what percentage of gamers are actually making money oh not a lot because if you look at the three billion people that game every day it's a very small percentage that actually are competing for dollars. So the bulk of gaming are just people gaming with their friends, and yes, they want to beat them, um, but they're but they're not, you know, making the two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year, just like the Twitch streamers and creators. Um, it's a small percentage that make the big money that we hear about, and therein also lies the problem, right? So you've got someone who says, "Well, I'm going to stream for eight hours." I'm going to make 250000 and then they stream for eight hours, and they don't. And they don't know why they're not Ninja or some of the other popular streamers. And, and it's, it's one of those things from a marketing perspective. Clients used to say, we just want you to create buzz. Well, you can't. Buzz kind of happens. It goes viral for reasons that you never know. And I think, and, and that's a dynamic. So, no, it's a small, 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 small percentage. And, and if they did win once in a tournament, the odds of that happening are, are slim and none, like it is in, you know, the bulk of professional golfers don't win 15 tournaments. They may make a lot of money and, and what have you, but they don't win that many tournaments. So um, it's fascinating. Um, our time went so I, really fast. I've lot, yeah, yeah, I've dealt a lot with golfers. Um, and the number of people who play golf who then become great golfers is, like, very tiny. <laughs> oh, no question. I, yes. I, I am playing with four of my buddies, uh, actually six of them next week in Vegas, and I can assure you 
uh, we all think we're better than 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 we are. Um, thank you for your time. I love the conversation. My pleasure. Um, My pleasure. There's so much more that we can talk about. Maybe we'll do session two in another month or two. Um, but Dr. Ingo, thank you. iCourage.com for those that, that want to go check it out. Great platform. Um, and again, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. You stay well. Goodbye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the MAP Esports Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite podcast player.